Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've got a pretty fun Friday show lined up for you today. A little later in the show, WDET's Anne DeLisi is going to join us to talk about an up coming essential conversation she is hosting with Don Gagne, who's an NPR national political correspondent, but who also is from here in the Detroit area and used to work right here at WDET. We're going to talk about what Anne and Don might talk about and this whole idea of the essential conversations that Anne DeLacy is having. We always have a lot of fun here on Detroit Today when Anne joins us in studio, so you're going to want to stay tuned to that. We are also anticipating that we will hear from Ron LaFleur, uh, a Detroit Tigers player from the late 1970s, one of the first players I remember really identifying with uh, as a member of that team. Uh, He's going to come on and talk about uh, how he went from playing prison yard baseball at Jackson State Prison to the major leagues. An incredible, incredible story. Uh, And there was a made-for-TV movie that aired in the 1970s about Ron LaFleur's journey from the prison yard to the major leagues. Uh, It is being re-aired this Sunday at the Detroit Historical Museum. So you'll want to stay tuned to that conversation as well. But up front, do you remember the MTV Video Music Awards back in 2009? That was the award show that was marred by the infamous interruption of pop and country star Taylor Swift by rap star Kanye West, who was upset that she had won Video of the Year instead of Beyonce. Let's take a listen to what happened in that moment. Yo, Taylor, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. Well, you can hear the crowd really reacting to Kanye there. So that's two superstars, just a few words and just 15 seconds of television. But Washington Post entertainment writer Emily Yar says that moment has influenced an entire decade of pop culture. And it serves as kind of a dividing line for race and music and a whole lot of other dynamics. Emily Yar joins us now to talk about that moment and what we've seen in the decade since. Emily, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. So I I love the idea of this piece and uh, and looking back to that moment. Uh, Just quickly, tell our listeners what you mean by the the idea that this moment uh, had such significance and that it has become this kind of dividing line for us. Yeah. um, So when I first started writing about the story, I sort of just wanted to look back at the moment just because it was such a crazy live TV situation um, when you just don't see very often. But the more I looked into it and really looked at how it impacted Kanye's career, how it impacted Taylor's career, I realized it just had all of these other ripple effects um, that I hadn't even really thought that much about. Um, You know, you look at sort of the point Kanye was was making in that moment, um, the fact that single ladies uh, didn't win over You Belong With Me. And he sort of preceded a lot of the things we're seeing now with, um, you know, Oscars so white and issues with the Grammys that a lot of times, you know, black artists' work is overlooked. Um, 
it was one of the first big social media moments. Award shows have really never been the same. And then you just look at Kanye and Taylor's feuds instead, and they've just sort of been entangled ever since. So yeah, I just touched on way more issues than I even realized. Hmm. Uh, So uh, if we go back to 2009 and the pop culture scene, uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift were both already big stars, but they were in really different places in their careers than they are now. Talk about sort of where they were leading up to this moment where they, they kind of clash on stage. Yeah, so at that time, um, yeah, so Taylor was pretty well-known. She's pretty famous in the country music world. She had already had two albums come out. She was kind of known as this songwriting prodigy. Um, and she had a couple crossover hits, but she wasn't anywhere near um, you know, the level of fame she is today where she's known across the world. Um, as this pop star. And Kanye was actually much more in, uh, he was much more famous um, in, in mainstream music. He'd had, you know, a string of platinum albums and he was known as a superstar producer as well before that. Um, so I'd say he was a lot more well-known. And he was also known for being, you know, kind of controversial at that time. I think people remembered him when he was on the, you know, the televised Hurricane Katrina fundraiser and said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, kind of already knew him as this outspoken figure, but that was then even more amplified um, at the VMAs, for sure. And as it turns out, uh, in your piece, you, you, you talk about how the show's producers weren't all that upset that this happened. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, 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 the kind of drama that got attention for a show that, I don't know, maybe otherwise people wouldn't have been talking about. Yeah, one of my um, favorite facts I, I learned in, in talking to a bunch of people who worked on the show that year was the cast, one of the casting producers said that, um, you know, she had a lot of, her goal was to get the cast of True Blood to the VMAs, but she couldn't. Um, that was sort of where the VMAs were in our culture at that time. They just had kind of, they were they were not, you know, the an A-list, necessarily, um, you know, one of the top award shows. So um, even though they, they were known for these big moments, um, yeah, so when I talked to the producers, you know, some of them were just, they were in shock and horrified at that moment. But like the director <laughs> of the show was just like, oh my God, like this is, this is TV gold. Like he knew in that moment, um, you know, made sure to get Beyonce's reaction because he just could see this playing out on live TV, which again, it's something you just don't see a lot. So yeah, it was definitely like, in the story, like kind of a, a necessary like shot in the arm for the VMAs. They really benefited from it ratings wise as well. Yeah. So, so I think you can't talk about this incident or the context for it without talking about race and the way that race, of course, defines uh, pop music and the tensions in pop music, but also pop culture and the tensions there. Uh, uh, talk about in that moment what the racial implications were and, and what they look like 10 years later. Yeah, so I think um, it, so also, um, I think in the beginning it said that Beyonce won or uh, Taylor won video of the year. So Taylor actually won um, female video of the year for this song. Okay. And Later, Beyonce's single ladies ended up winning the, the biggest um, award of the night, which was video of the year. But in that moment, um, when You Belong With Me won the trophy, I think, you know, Kanye, obviously, like, no one is disputing. He was, he was in the wrong to interrupt Taylor. Um, that was, you know, such, such a rude thing to do. And everyone sort of agrees on that. But the larger point he was making is that he was really frustrated with, um, you know, like the larger award show system um, so many times awarding white artists over black artists, even though, um, you know, so I, this didn't make it in the story, but as uh, one person I talked to said, 
you know, You Belong With Me was a big song, but Single Ladies was a movement. Mm. And just the idea for that song um, to be overlooked in any category um, was just, you know, too frustrating for, for him. And um, 10 years later, it's been really interesting to see how the coverage at that moment has shifted over the years. People, you know, say like, well, he shouldn't have done that, but like he had a point about the song. And again, I think that's something you've seen in um, these sort of viral protests that go on around award shows now, um, like Oscar's So White and the, the, so many issues that Grammys have been having um, because people are noticing um, when the nominees are, you know, with no people are of color are included and award shows themselves have been making efforts to change that by changing the voting bodies, by looking at their, you know, at their processes more. So I think it had maybe more of an impact than people realize. Mm. Uh, at the same time, it, it kind of evoked the angry black man stereotype narrative for for Kanye, who who since then has kind of morphed, I feel like, into a lot of different things. But but I wonder if uh, if that moment hurt him in that way uh, with 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 fans. In other words, did he did he sort of fall into uh, a, a negative stereotype that maybe people hadn't associated with him already? Yeah, I think um, I think it did, and, and he's talked about that a little bit too. And um, I sort of get at this in the story, but that moment was um, just so huge for both of them. It's like sort of froze them both almost in people's minds um, of the personas they were on that stage that night. And yeah, like you know, before like Kanye had definitely been very outspoken about a lot of issues, but it was almost like after that he was like fueled by this um, contrarianism, and he just spoke out more and more. And he actually said something really interesting a few years ago. He was doing an interview with Steve Harvey, and uh, this was like around 2016, and he talked briefly about uh, the VMAs, and he said he felt like he basically became a scapegoat for what he called people's, like, quote, closet racism. Um, And so he said, you know, unfortunately, like around 2016, he felt like people were becoming more comfortable uh, to have a platform to express racist thoughts. But Mm. he felt like before that, after the VMAs, if people did have those, you know, those ideas and anger, they would basically turn and criticize him that he was almost like this symbol and scapegoat for people's internalized racism. So I think that really did stay with him a long time and and has affected him ever since. Hmm. Uh, My guest is Emily Yar. She's an entertainment reporter for The Washington Post. We are talking about 10 years ago at the Video Music Awards when Kanye West interrupted uh, Taylor Swift as she was receiving an award to make a point about how he thought Beyonce should have been the winner of that award. that turns out to have been a pretty important cultural moment and maybe a pivot point in some of the narratives about culture and music and race in this country. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. How do you remember reacting to that moment? Do you remember that moment when Kanye West jumped up on stage and interrupted uh, the uh, awarding of uh, the VMA to Taylor Swift? Uh, how did it shape your view of Kanye West and how did it shape your view of Taylor Swift. Do you think Kanye had a point about uh, that win, not just about who should have won, but why and why maybe she did not win? Uh, And what do you think that moment said about the state of music and pop culture from 2009 up to today? Emily Yar has written in the Washington Post about what that looks like 10 years in the rearview mirror. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313- 577-1019. You can also go to the WDET 
Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, um, and uh, we will try to work you into uh, into the into the conversation. Um, before we get to the phones, Emily, I want to talk a little more about uh, Taylor Swift, who has been um, uh, heavily politicized. Uh, you know, she inadvertently became an idol on fringe political websites, uh, touting white and Aryan supremacy. Um, talk about how that uh, incident sort of played out for her uh, going forward. Yeah, I think um, Taylor, from from the very beginning of her career, just stuck um, very, very closely to her her brand. Um, you know, in she, you know, she was a songwriter. She channeled all of her mo- emotions um, into songs. She was relatable, even as she rose through the ranks of superstardom. You know, people really felt like. Um, they knew her, and that's how she cultivated this very loyal fan base. And um, her fan base is very important to her. And for years, she never really spoke out about anything, um, even remotely political. Like, you know, when she was younger, she and she kind of said in interviews that she wouldn't because she didn't feel like she was even informed enough to, about the issues or she didn't feel like she should say anything. Um, so she was just silent. And so people really until last year had absolutely no idea where she stood on the political spectrum. And so, um, yes, some, some people, I guess, automatically assumed that that meant certain things. So she, uh, about what she believed in, and they sort of projected their own beliefs on her. So inadvertently, she sort of right became this thing, this symbol, um, you know, for, for a lot of people. And she never even, she even when people were you know calling her yeah this like Aryan goddess I forget the exact term she still um, didn't even speak out about that um, mm-hmm. for a long time so yeah people kind of drew their own conclusions until last year when she made her very shocking political statement that said she was voting Democrat in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know th- this is a fine line for artists to walk obviously and and what's interesting about this moment is. She didn't have a whole lot of choice in in being part of it. I mean, this was not planned on her part. Uh, she was only left to react to it and to deal with the reactions that other people had to it. Um, I, 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 I always feel like that's kind of unfair, but uh, it's also the kind of thing that uh, that artists have to deal with all the time. Yeah, um, after. Um the VMAs, you mean, or about her political... Yeah, about um, the like the politicization of this, that, yeah. that uh, she became this kind of symbol after not really doing anything. Right, exactly. And so she, right, made this very conscious choice to um, stay quiet, which, you know, is her right. Like, she shouldn't have to say who she, you know, is voting for or, or share any of that. Um, but also celebrities, right, they are in this position where their platforms are more powerful than ever. And I think... It, I think for the 2016 election, like one of the top Google search terms was like, who is Taylor Swift voting for? Mm. Um, and people were really upset when they couldn't find anything. So I think she did feel a lot of pressure um, <clears throat> to speak out last year, even if she didn't necessarily want to, because she realized um, the power that she had. And also there were these like very unfortunate narratives that were kind of taking place around her that um, she really did have to speak out about because it was, it was not really making her look that great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if we talk about now, 2019, and how much more tense things seem uh, in, in the culture more generally and, and the sort of narratives that, uh, that we deal with uh, in terms of uh, race and 
culture and dividing lines. Um, do you think something like this could happen now? I mean, it's almost surprising, I guess, that you don't see more of this kind of thing today than you did in 2009, which was a much calmer time, I guess, uh, in, in, in sort of cultural narratives. Yeah, it was really interesting to look back um, to see the media coverage directly afterwards. I mean, it was like everyone, it seemed like, wrote about it um, in some way. There was just this huge crush of coverage. It was so crazy and controversial at the time. And yeah, I've like sort of tried to think about that, like if this would happen, like the, the VMAs are next week, like if this, something like this would happen again. And I honestly think like things are so out of control now and there's just so much happening. I'm like, would this even, I mean, I think it would, it would make a blip, but I don't know if it would have the same, the same impact just because things are, you know, so divided and we're everyone, it seems like everyone's arguing anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know if it, if it would have the same impact it would then it did today. Yeah. Uh, again, three, one, three, five, seven, seven, one, one, nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Miriam downtown. Miriam, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call. Sure. I'm driving, so I'm sorry for the car no okay. noise. I just <laughs> wanted to say that I think the reason why Kanye uh, made sense for many of us who were watching that night live was that he really showed to the viewing public what we already knew, that these award shows are really not based on the objective sense of who had a better product. It was more of, you know, who's more popular or who we think is more popular to the wider viewing audience. Everybody knew that that video that Beyonce made was iconic, and You Belong to Me video was just a regular video, and history has proven that out. So there was race, but there was also, he was showing the mirror to what these shows were really about, that they're not about the objective sense of who's got a better product. Wow, that's a really that's a really interesting insight, uh, Miriam. I'm, I'm glad you called uh, and shared that. Uh, Emily, uh, react to what Miriam's talking about there. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, and I agree completely, like, now looking back at the impact of the single ladies video, which, as you said, is iconic, compared to You Belong With Me, which was, you know, that was a great song, but it just had nowhere near near the impact for sure, and that was something I think was, like, really missing from a lot of the conversation back then was, um, you know, people were furious at Kanye for doing something rude, like, of course, um, there really wasn't a lot of introspection like okay why did he do that you know he's a very savvy smart celebrity like why did he take this extraordinary step of going up on stage like you know yes he's known for speaking out but like what was fueling his frustration and his anger about Beyonce not winning and it was his larger point um about the issues yeah behind the system of award shows and how a lot of times you know MTV goes and you know the producers choose those awards themselves or have a big hand in it um and they're not necessarily um awarding um for quality so yeah, I kind of wish people had had thought more with that nuance back then as well. Mariam, hmm. uh, again, thanks very much for the call uh, and the really interesting insights. Let's go to Rio in Detroit. Rio, welcome to Detroit today. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what are your thoughts on Kanye denouncing George Bush versus uh, Taylor Swift? not denouncing the Aryan uh, point of view? Hmm. Um, that, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, are you asking me or are you asking Emily? <laughs> uh, Rio? Yep. Yes, either or. 
Oh, okay. Uh, Emily, I'll let you have first crack at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it just um, is, again, not surprising looking at either of their brands. Like Kanye was already known for for addressing, um, you know, political topics and being very outspoken. So I don't know if people necessarily expected him to do that on a live TV broadcast, um, like the Hurricane Katrina fundraiser. But um, yeah, like, again, completely fit with him. And same with Taylor. I mean, People wanted her to speak out um, when, you know, she was called like, like the Aryan goddess um, and wanted her to denounce people who were saying those things. Um, and the fact that she didn't like became a problem for her. But again, like that was just her brand. She just never talked about anything. And even though, you know, anything political or, or controversial, and even though that sort of strategy probably would have been OK, um, you know, when her career started, it became very clear that in 2016 and in the last several years that that just wasn't going to work for her anymore. And she, um, I think, definitely realized that and pivoted last year. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that is really interesting. And again, if you're a celebrity and not a politician, I think there is this this real tension that that you have between uh making sure that that you're serving the fans who you know who listen to your music or or taken whatever other art that you produce and this this sense of responsibility and of course we've seen celebrities struggle with that over over many many decades in this country you know i i think uh what kanye west did when he said what he said about george w bush was pretty was pretty brave and and somewhat stunning i mean uh, for him to to inject that into uh, into that moment, uh, which was a humanitarian uh, moment and not a political one, was was pretty brave. And I think he probably paid something of a price for having for having done that. I don't know what I think about uh, Taylor Swift, who who I think is in more of a defensive posture in all of this, and and probably felt some pressure as a star to defend that space, to, you know, so that she didn't end up being associated with, uh, with Donald Trump. What do you, what do you think of that difference, Emily? Yeah, I think um, you're right in that completely that Taylor has been coming at this from um, more of a defensive way where people, what people think is, is projected on her and she's had to react to these things um, rather than Kanye who just, you know, has things that he, that he wants to express. So yeah, it's, it's, it is a tough line to walk for celebrities, but um, again, it's just, just the way the culture has changed and how everyone reacts to things now. Like just, it seems like staying quiet is, is not an option because again, then people sort of just decide what they think you think. And it's then sort of hard to get around, around that as well. Mm. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Luke in downtown. Luke, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, great. I'm we love really, that. <laughs> really excited that you guys are talking about this. I always found that moment um, in social media and a TV platform as a really pivotal moment for my generation. I'm 26. I was a junior in high school um, when that happened. And the moment that I was watching it live, I had the first thought uh, of many more to come of like, oh, this is going to be big on the Internet. This is going to be big at my high school. Um, and it, I really always found that that instance is a real pivotal moment uh, in social media and like crowd mentality around a single event, because that is all we could talk about at my rural high school for, I don't know, like a month. And uh, it just seems like that's that's just transpired over and over again uh, as time went on and, and social media and crowd events. They've just 
grown larger, more dramatic, more mm. instantaneous. Uh, so I find it really interesting that 10 years out, we're talking about something that happened when I was a junior on TV. Oh, wow. Wow. You were a junior in high school, Luke. Is that right? Yes, it was. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm really glad you called because, uh, you know, I think for your generation, obviously, uh, this was a, a, a really different moment than it was for mine. I mean, I remember watching this and not thinking uh, all, about all of those dimensions of it, this idea of social media and the way that it was mm-hmm. changing uh, culture. But that makes total sense uh, that for you, uh, that would have been really different. Uh, Emily, talk about the, the, the sort of generational impact of, yeah. of this moment. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I'm glad you brought up social media because that was um, a part I didn't get into too much in the story, but I wanted to just because that um, it really was like one of the first huge moments that happened on Twitter. And I I think part of the reason there was this massive coverage afterwards is because everyone realized like they could weigh in on it and like they could get people to respond to them and they started arguing about it. And so, you know, celebrities immediately went to Twitter to, um, you know, share their opinion. They went to their blogs and those spread like crazy. So, yeah, I mean, now I feel like those things happen all the time. Things trend worldwide very briefly and then you don't really hear about them again. But since that was just such a crazy moment to see and it was one of the first times everyone had access like to the all these tools, um, it just blew up in a way that was so unprecedented. And, yeah, just like set the stage for the way that yeah, that generation would um, would experience, I think, live TV for many years on Okay, Emily Yar, entertainment reporter for The Washington Post. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for uh, being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, up next, we are actually going to pivot here and talk about Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who had been banned from coming to Israel, was uh, admitted in and or said they said that they were going to let her in. uh, And now she says she's not going to go. I want to have a little conversation about this dynamic uh, between the United States, between Israel and Palestine and talk a little about what is going on here. Peter Trumbor from Oakland University is going to join us next to discuss. And of course, on the phones, 313-577-1019. If you would love to talk about what is happening with the president, with Rashida Tlaib and the state of Israel, we'll be right back with more Detroit Today.